freedom. Everybody say freedom. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. And that's what we have. We have freedom today in Christ. I like what that quote said right there in that, in that video that we have freedom in this nation as a result of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, um, happy Independence Day to everybody. And, um, or it was yesterday, but celebrating it today here in this service. And the um, title of my message is, Duh, Freedom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people can watch a video like that, or they can, you can, if you've done, if you've done much um, study of United States history, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a, there's a lot in, uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of information about the history of this country, and, um, and there's, there's several, I guess, camps, if you want to call it, of belief of, you know, things that have happened through the years, and, you know, there's always somebody that's looking for something that's negative about even people, say, as George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, people that we know and that literally are idolized, you know, as, as you know, people that were warriors for certain stands in this nation that have caused this nation to stand through the years. And, but there's always negative people that come and want to say, yeah, but they did this and they did that. But, you know, the deal with, with humanity is that they're like you. They're fleshy, you know. Humanity has a flesh, and every person that's ever done something great has done something not so good, right? I don't care who you are. Every person that's ever done anything in, in, in life great, there, there has, there's a number of things behind the hidden curtains that were not so good. And, you know, sooner or later, things get out, and then people start trying to, you know, downplay what they accomplished. But the Bible's not that way. In fact, and you've heard me talk about this at different times if you've been around here at all, but, you know, the, the Bible in the Old Testament talks and gives and, and records stories of certain people's lives like Abraham, who is our father of the faith. And the Old Testament records a number of things in his life that were not correct and were not right. A number of things that he did trying to help God out that really didn't help God out at all. And actually, we're still paying for some of his mistakes today. I'm going to say it again. We're still paying for some of Abraham's mistakes today. You know, and those mistakes were made because Abraham got fleshy and tried to work things out on his own. He thought God needed help to bring to pass what God said would come to pass because it was taking a little too long for Abraham. Anybody ever been there? Seeming like, you know, God promised something and he promised me things in his word, but it's taken too long to happen and so I'm going to help God out, right? And every time you and I help God out, we mess it all up. We mess everything up. So, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 4, this, using this as an example, talking about Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, um, in verse 19, it says, and this is just the account of Abraham's life, and not being weak in faith... In other words, he wasn't weak in faith. But yet we know in Old Testament Scripture that he was weak in faith. We know that he was weak in his trust in God because he tried to help God out. And, and all the things that, that Abraham did in trying to help God out uh, really made a mess. But the Bible records his life instead of recording all his dirty laundry the, the, the New Testament, through the blood of Jesus, records what he did right. And um, what we in this nation have attempted to do is to talk about, or, or 
one camp of people that stand and, and believe in this country and the freedoms that this country ha- has and has had and given to so many people through the years, the, 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 in, in this nation what we've tried to do is establish that freedom on the good things that people have done because that's the way God does it. God doesn't look at all the mistakes we've made and then throw out all of Abraham's dirty laundry in the New Testament. No, he looked at the good things that he did. So after 25 years of some things not working out, God began to speak to Abraham and he told him what he was going to do with him and then it happened. What he had promised 25 years earlier came to pass when Abraham was ready to believe. When Abraham got to a place in his life where he was ready to believe that what God was promised, he was able to perform. And that's what it says here in Romans 4. He he didn't grow weak in faith, but grew strong in faith, believing that what God had promised, he was able to do that. And yet, we have record for a lot of years where he didn't just make one mistake or two mistakes or three mistakes, but he made a plethora of mistakes in a, in, in a period of time that caused the power of God and the promise of God to be shut down, right? So, what, what I'm going to talk about just for a few minutes this morning has to do with, with two specific things that I believe through the years, and, and uh, about, about six years ago, I just, uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, there's, there's a lot, I, I hear a lot about history of this country, and, and, and I hear uh, there's a lot of different opinions, and I don't know if, if you're this way, but I get all kinds of emails all the time, everybody trying to convince you of something, and, and you know, and I, for a long period of time, I read just about every email that came through. Today, I kind of delete most of them, you know, because I just don't have time for them. I'm talking about people that you don't know that send stuff to you. And uh, five or six years ago, I told my wife, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm going on a journey for the next year or so in studying church history and, and, and finding every book, not church history, United States history, <clears throat> and, and finding every book that I can on, on United States history and, and, and how we become, became a nation and uh, from, from, different, from different perspectives, um, from people that view it from different perspectives, because I, I, I want to make my choices based on what I feel like the Holy Spirit shows me about it. You know, because at the end of the day, the benefit that we have as Christians that believe in the person of the Holy Spirit, the helper who helps us do things, is that we can read information and the Holy Spirit will tell you what you're reading if it's right or not or information that you get about certain things. And there's a lot of information, a lot of information just coming over the airwaves that are rooted and grounded in fear. And it wants to control people and wants to control how people respond and react to situations. And uh, so as as I went through United States history and I read, I don't know, upwards of about 20 different books in this, in, in, in about a year, year and a year and a half, as, as I begin to read, I begin to see, you know, a lot of the same issues in people's lives through everybody. And one thing that I saw in a strong way in a lot of people was great sacrifice. You can think what you want about George Washington, the man sacrificed for our freedom. You can think what you want, and, I, and I've, I've read many different perspectives on his life, but the man sacrificed. He sacrificed for this nation. He sacrificed his family. He sacrificed his health. He, he died at a younger age than, than some of the, the others that were alongside of him. He could have probably lived another 20 years had he not sacrificed and, and, and gave of himself and laid his life down for this country. And But... On the other side of the coin, what I see in most of these people's lives that sacrificed was pride. Saw great sacrifice, but, I, but in my readings, I found that there were, there were elements of pride in their life for whatever reason. <clears throat> and 
Most of us think that, you know, some pride is good. Some people think that some pride is a benefit, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know how many quotes I've seen on social media in the last two days, you know, the, the words of Lee Greenwood's song, I'm proud to be an American, right? So don't raise your hand, but how many are proud to be an American? I mean, based on what we think good pride is. Proud to be an American, I guess. I mean, should be or whatever. <clears throat> so think about that thought for a minute as I go into a couple scriptures here. But, um, but the sacrifice versus the pride are two elements that I believe if, if we understand the sacrifice and we understand the pride, if we can operate the way God wants us to, then we as individual people, then we as a nation, will not be robbed of the inheritance that rightfully belongs to us in God. Like, like the video said, the freedom that we have in this nation comes from the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Right? So today... I just want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture that I want you to think about. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this on Sunday. And, uh, and I want you, to, I want you to, to keep coming back and come back with an open mind about what I'm talking about. Because um, <clears throat> I think what I'm going to share with you in this, that God has been revealing to me over the last probably two and a half years just in my own life personally what he's things that he's shown me i believe what i'm going to give you in this message to me is one of the most liberating things that i've ever embraced in my life ever if, if you get what i'm saying now, you may think you know what i'm going to talk about in in regards to pride but just think just, just start right now by purposing to say to yourself, ah, I probably don't even know what he's going to talk about. Because you don't. <clears throat> this isn't a bad message. This is a liberating message. This is a free message. Everybody say, I'm free. What's the title of my message? Freedom. Yeah! Okay. <clears throat> so, let's look at James chapter 4. <clears throat> James chapter 4. Well, I thought I moved James here. James chapter 4 and verse 6. <clears throat> but he gives more grace. He gives more grace. One translation says he gives great grace. Say that, great grace. So I want you to meditate on that, great grace. This message of freedom is about great grace. He gives more grace or great grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Fabian, come, come stand up here real quick. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Face me here. Now, don't overpower me, okay? <laughs> See, I, I've been in basketball games with this guy. <clears throat> so, so all I want you to do, all, all I want you to do is move towards me, just to, like you're going to take a step, like you're going to take a step towards me, okay? Keep doing it, okay? Keep doing it. All right, now move this way. Okay, now move that way. Okay, the Bible says that God resists the proud. Move that way. Again. Now fake me out. <laughs> Thank you. God resists pride. Now, we were all born at, maybe at night, but not last night. 
And it may be one thing to be resisted by this person, that person, maybe the government's resisting you in something, the IRS is treating you bad or something you're being. But to be resisted by God? Now that's an Old Testament scripture that's mentioned four times. It's repeated four times in the New Testament. God resists the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. When I was reading United States history, I mean, I, and, and I, I, mean I, I, I acquired a couple of books on George Washington's life from people that didn't necessarily have a foundation in God that wrote these books that, that I, I don't think that I have. And so they, I, I, was gonna, I was reading these books, these other two books on George Washington, thinking that they had maybe a different perspective about his life. And so as I started reading this, in their books and every other book and every history book where George Washington, the, the, his part was mentioned in history, every single book I read, all of these people came up with this, that George Washington was one of the most humble men ever, ever. And yet, and yet, he did, he, he did some prideful acts. Did Abraham do some things in pride? Yeah. See, we think we know what pride is. We think we know what it is. I mean, you know, you can see a, you know, you, you, even we watching football on Sunday afternoon and, you know, back in the day, somebody like Deion Sanders in his, in his heyday of thinking he was all that, you know, and, you know, if, 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 a, if a reporter got him after a game and he had scored five touchdowns or whatever, you know, he was all about, all, all he talked about was, you know, how blessed the team was to have him, you know. So we say, well, you know, he's just full of pride. You know, the guy's full of pride. But see, that's bad pride. Well, pride, the Bible says that God resists the, pr the proud. And to be prideful is to think more highly of yourself than you should and to give yourself more give yourself and your opinions and what you think a higher um, range of approval than God's. To think more highly of yourself than you should is to think that you know more than God knows. Now, you know, most people say, oh, I don't know more than God does, but when we make choices and we walk certain things out that is not really what God told us to do, we're walking in pride. There's an element of pride there. You know, if... Um, so, I'm just going to use my wife and I as an example. And, uh, and I'll just say that I've done something similar to this. And let's just say that uh, I'm at home, we're at home one evening, and, and she... And, and, I make some comment about, um, I mean, this is just a, this is just, you know, a random thought. <laughs> but let's just say, um, I say something like, you know, I, I didn't know that the, uh, the capital of the state of New Mexico, I didn't know the capital was Albuquerque. And then she goes, well, I, I don't think it is. Oh, no, 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 it is. No, I, I think Santa Fe is the capital of Albuquerque. No, 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 it, it, it's no, Albuquerque. It, it's the largest city in New Mexico, so it is the capital. And she goes, I know you're wrong. And I look at her and I say, I know I'm right. Okay, now that's just, I'm just using some stupid example. But you know how many fights and arguments that married couples get in over something so 
trivial is that? And what, what is involved? Pride. Pride. Something trivial. I mean, wh- why, why, would, why would whatever the capital of New Mexico is, why would I want that to stand in the way from me being resisted by God? God resists the proud. When I think I know more, I know better, and I don't take that humble position and state in a situation, if I won't take that position, then great grace, great favor, great blessing from God will not come on me and overtake me. And one of the reasons, if you look at history, has anybody studied history of any kind and seen that history repeats itself? Huh? Why? Why? Because of these two things right here. Pride and humility. History repeats itself because people will humble us. George Washington was one of the most humble people that I've ever read about his life. And yet, certain acts of pride got us in a pickle in certain situations. Certain acts of pride shut things down so that the next generation found themselves right back, or two generations down, found themselves right back where they were before some of the freedoms. And what was happening was, over time in our country, we were trying to be overtaken. The, the, the War of 1812 opened the door. There were several mistakes made in history that caused the, the War of 1812 to happen. When we had our, when we were, when we had our liberation, 1776, and over the next five or six or eight or ten years, you know, as a country, we were free. But there were certain prideful acts of men and women that were made that caused us to almost be overtaken, and the War of 1812 looked like we were going to be overtaken and, and back under bondage again. I'm using that just as a simple little example of what does it take for not only a nation to be free, but for its people to be free. I'll just say this, when the people are free because of our freedom in Christ, when we're living and experiencing that, then what happens is a nation becomes free and the Bible says so, right? When, when righteousness rules a nation, the people rejoice huh? and the people come up. And, and move up. And when, when we develop on the inside and we realize the benefit of humility and deal with pride in our lives and we're not being resisted by God, then, then what do we have a right to? Unlimited resources. And I'm not just talking about natural money resources, unlimited resources of anything and everything that we need from God to accomplish what He put us on this planet for. Unlimited peace and joy. Unlimited ability to deal with unbelief and walk in faith and confidence in God. Unlimited finances and unlimited health and healing and deliverance in any way, shape, or form. Unlimited ability to have relationships with spouses and right family members and right people and to believe God for people that that are ugly. Listen, What profit is it if we're just good to people that are good to us? God wants you and I to have unlimited resources and ability to be good to people that are not good to us. And, above everything, to be able to live our life forgiving the people that have hurt us. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there reigns and there is the power of freedom. But where, where history has continued to repeat itself is the result of pride remaining in the lives of people. Some of the things that God has revealed to me just in my own heart. You know, m- most people don't know that they operate in pride. Why? Because they're too proud. <laughs> most people don't know things... There are things that I've, that I've seen that God has revealed to me about my own heart over the last couple, two or three years that, I, that He's revealed to me that I had no idea that I was operating in. 
Three years ago, if you'd have told me that there were areas of pride that, that, that I was not looking at or dealing with in my life, I'd say, no, absolutely not. Hmm? Well, that's pride in itself. <laughs> Everybody laugh. <clears throat> so that's pride saying you don't have any pride. Because everybody deals with pride. And there's not good pride and bad pride. See, to be proud to be an American, why can't we just be thankful? Why can't we just be thankful to be an American? Why can't we just be appreciative? Well, come on, Pastor. That's just, that's just a play on words. Not to me. Not to me. Not to me at all. Yeah, but that's just, you know. You know, we, 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 don't have to, we don't have to look at it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud in a good way. That's not what I see here. It says he resists the proud. And you know how, how I see it? It's not God up in heaven like this mean guru looking for somebody that's in pride to do something to. No, it's already been set up that way. He's already judged the world. He's already judged you and I. The blood of Jesus has judged us. So when we choose to live in pride and not deal with pride... When we choose to, then we're in a resisted mode. In other words, like, like I was showing with Fabian standing here, we're trying to move forward, but we're being resisted by God. When I don't know about you, but my only hope on planet Earth is God. And if I'm doing things that's resisting Him, then why would I ever care what the capital of New Mexico is or whatever some minute, goofy little thing that we might argue over? Who cares about that? I don't want to be resisted by God. I want great grace. See? And the great grace is already here for us. Jesus has already paid the price for the great grace. Say it again. Great grace. Not just grace, but great grace. Overwhelming grace. Overpowering grace. Grace that, that is more than enough in every situation. You know, the ability to operate in, in, in that more than enough when I'm, I'm willing to look at issues of pride and not think in life that I always have to be right. What if you're right and God says, God shows you with somebody because you're trying to win that person and you know you're right? You know that the capital is Santa Fe and somebody's arguing with you about it? How can you maneuver your way into a person's life and, and, and humble yourself in that type of situation? Well, this is, this is just an example. Well, you know, you, you might be right about that. Who knows, maybe the legislature in the state of New Mexico decided to change to Albuquerque. Okay, or whatever. I mean, in, in your mind. You, 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 but, but, but see... If you were to treat someone like that and say that kind of a thing to someone, well, you know, you know, you could be right about that. You could exactly be right. Once you try to, once you find out about it, and if you, when you find out what the capital actually is, when you do some research, let me know. <laughs> I mean, what's that going to hurt? <coughs> That's not going to hurt anybody, right? And it's going to teach you to not have to feel like you, you have to demand your way in every situation. I tell you, it's, it's liberating when you don't have to be right. You know why? Because he's right. He's right in everything. Everything. I don't have to be right. In other words, I can be wrong, and I can learn from someone else, and, and I don't have to... I don't have to always act like I know what's right, see? Because the other thing that goes with pride is lying. Some people want to be right so bad that they'll lie and demand it. I don't know. I'm sure you're not in this, in, in this percentage that I'm talking about right here, but I just saw a percentage... The other day it said, 80% of Americans lie. I looked at that and I thought, 
And so I began to read a little bit about the study. They said, they said <laughs> 80% of Americans in, in the first 10 minutes of a conversation will lie at least three times. <laughs> and I thought, my gosh. 80% of Americans, 10 minutes into a conversation, have lied three times. So just, just think about that. I think I'm laughing because what, what, what's so funny about it is that, see, they're not just little lies and big lies. Whatever's not truth is what? It's a lie. So... I mean, all I can do is talk about myself, but one of the things that God's said to me in the last two or three years is, he said, I don't even care if, if something that no one would ever even know anything about in, the, in an exaggeration, in a description of something, and that nobody on the planet could ever know, nobody, but maybe you just said something, just a little twist that wasn't quite exactly correct. Because the thing about lying is, if you do that, then you'll do more, and you do more, and you do more. And then what happens? It's pride. And then what happens? So, watch this. Everybody smile. <laughs> this is really a good word, I promise you. It's a good word. It's going to be a good series. Verse 7. Therefore, do what? Submit. To who? God. And do what? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Therefore, who submit? Right? God's not doing the submitting. The submitting is to God, but I'm doing it. And then the next verse says, the first part of the next verse says, draw near to God. Who draw near? You. Draw near to God, God will draw near to you. So the question is, how do we submit and how do we draw? Okay? It's a good question. So look at 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, but be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Seems like we just read that, right? <clears throat> Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What was Abraham's issue? Abraham tried to exalt himself and his set of circumstances. God said, you humble yourself under my mighty hand and he said, I'll exalt you, and I'll lift you, and I'll place you, and I'll position you at the right time and in the right way. And how do we do that? How do we humble ourselves? That was the question. Casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. <clears throat> now I want you to write these three things down, and we'll talk about it in, later message, in the later message. But here's three things that I want you to think about. <clears throat> Three things that submission isn't. Number one, submission isn't easy. Number two, submission isn't agreement. Agreement. It's not agreement. Yeah, it's not you just agreeing with something. It's not agreement. And submission isn't forced. 
Just remember those three things. Keep them written down, and, then, and, and probably not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we're going to look at those. Submission isn't easy. If it's easy, everybody'd submit. Number two, submission isn't agreement. Actually, you'd never submit until you disagree. Submission doesn't even begin until disagreement starts. Up until that time, you're in agreement. And submission, number three, is never forced. Nowhere in the Scripture, there's seven different categories of submission in Scripture. Seven. And nowhere in any of those categories is submission forced. Like one of the submissions is, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife the way Christ is the head of the church. That's not popular today, but that's what the Bible says do. But nowhere in there, in the husband's role, is he ever, not one time, ever, ever, empowered to force his wife to submit. Ever. That's a wife and God thing about a role in marriage. It's not, husband, it's not a man-woman thing. There's neither male nor female in the body of Christ. It's roles in marriage. And never, ever does a man force a woman, a wife, to submit. Or in any other role. And so, if we look at that in the first area of submission that we're talking about, submitting to God. If we look at that, that it's not easy and it's not agreement and it's not forced, then it's something that you and I have the ability to be patient with and develop in our own life and become convinced of and then walk these things out as God reveals them to us. Now, if, if... Whatever is keeping me in pride in a situation, let's just take the silly little example about New Mexico and the, and the capital and those, that, that thing. For whatever reason that I can't approach the situation possibly being wrong, Whatever is wrapped up in that in me, I'm talking about as an individual. My wife and I, we're having this discussion. I bring it up. I think Albuquerque is the capital of New Mexico. Everybody knows that Santa Fe is the capital of New Mexico, right, in here? Amen. All you people have done United States history, and you know every capital of every, of every state, right? No. But I'm telling you, Santa Fe is the capital of New Mexico. But I've gone into the situation. I didn't know it for sure, but I just read about Albuquerque being the largest city in New Mexico, and I just figure that's got to be the capital, and so bless God, I'm telling her it's the capital, okay? So for whatever reason I can't approach that situation possibly being wrong, that's where God wants me submitting to Him. And all through Scripture, there are things that will address why I'm in pride, and, and in, in that silly little situation right there if if that continues and I don't get to the root of why I can't approach the situation from a different perspective if I don't get rid of that then I'm continually being resisted by pride because of things like that because of what's in my heart see and God just wants us to be free one of the most liberating things in life for me has been not having to be right it's liberating it literally, it's changed the way I think that I don't have to be right. That I can walk away from a conversation. There may be five people fighting over something. And I can walk away from the conversation. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> Whatever. It's not that big of a deal. At the end of the day, if my choices are going to get me in a position where I can't move forward, where I'm locked in and, and I'm, I'm, I'm being resisted by God and it doesn't matter where I move and, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I can't move because I won't deal with that silly thing. And most of these issues of pride are silly. Most of them. 
They graduate into bigger things, but the root of them have been silly little things that we didn't want to grow up and just admit, I don't have to be that way. Man, I, I want to be where God says, I want you to do this. Yes, sir. Whew. Yes, sir. Free-flowing. Hmm? Do whatever God tells me to do. And when I do it, I prosper. Why? Because I'm not being resisted. Why? Because I'm operating under great grace. What is grace defined at? One of the things grace is defined at is great favor. Great opportunities that open up in your life with men because of God in life. Things come your way that don't come that way for other people because they're being resisted. See, God's already judged the world concerning everything. Through the blood of Jesus, it's all judged. And that should be liberating for us. That should be liberating for mankind if we understand the judgment of God. See, judgment isn't to hurt us. It's not to bring us down. It's to protect us. And if we'll use the judgment of God in a positive way in our life, we'll be free. So we're free-flowing and there's no resistance. He said here, and I, I'm going to finish this passage and just touch on a couple things as I, as I end this today. He said, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What's he looking for? What's he looking for? Pride. He's looking for pride. Because if he can find pride, he's looking for pride in a Christian. The rest of them out there, whatever. He's a busy little beaver. And all his little demons are busy little guys working overtime to try to stay up with the Christians. But what he's looking for in the Christians is pride. Why? Because if pride is there and they're being resisted by God, then notice what the other verse said in, in James. He said, if you humble yourself, submit to God through humility, you resist the devil and he flees. But when I'm being resisted by God then the devil has access to do what he wants to do in my life. That's what we need to be free of, and I've got to be in charge of doing that. I've, I'm in the driver's seat in that happening. God's not resisting the devil for me. He's already defeated the devil. Can you say amen? Huh? Son of God was manifested to destroy every work of the devil, and the devil is destroyed. The access that he has in your and my life is through ignorance and lack of understanding. That's why I'm bringing this word to you. And I'm telling you, there's revelation in this word that will liberate every single one of us to another level. Bring us to another place of being lifted out of situations in our life if we'll pay attention to this. So he's looking, that's what he's looking for. Verse 9. Notice, this passage in James, 6, uh, James 4 is very similar said, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Now, I was going to make this point because we're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk a little bit about suffering. We know that Jesus on the cross, suffered all shame, all sickness, all disease, poverty, oppression, I don't care, you name it, he suffered it. You and I are liberated and free from having to suffer those things. But when we keep a hold and, and allow strongholds in the mind to stay there from our past, everybody's got a past, everybody's got stuff, and, and your past and my past, even though they're different, that it's, it, you know, we're talking apples and oranges. See, my past could be an apple, your past could be an orange, but, it, but, but in the world that we live in of our past, in our soul, it's real to us. It may not seem real to someone else, but it's real to us. God knows it, and that's why He gave us the Holy Ghost. That's why He gave us His Word. He knows we have to deal with these things, and He knows that these issues that we deal with are, quote, suffering. Right? When Jesus went into the garden, when He went into the garden of Gethsemane, what was said there? Two things. First thing He said was this. Lord, 
if there be any other way, not my will, but yours. So in the garden, at that point, all man and all God, he had a different will. It was not the will of the Father. What did he do? He submitted. Not only was his, his, his choice the ultimate act of sacrifice, but his was the ultimate act of submitting to the will of the Father. His will was one way. The will of the Father was a different. God, if there be any other way. He wouldn't have asked that if his will wasn't hoping for something else. And right then, all of his years, as he grew and he did what Father said, he said, I only come to this earth to do what Father tells me to do. I only, I only allow myself you know, to say the things that Father gives me to say. But right here, he comes to a point where now submission has to kick in because he's not agreeing in his head. But in his heart, he said, not my will. Yours be done. Ultimate act of submission, right? So that type of suffering, of having to submit to the will of God and doing what God says to do, like in a situation with the state of New Mexico, and God saying, I want you to take the high road in this thing. I want you to humble yourself. I don't want you to have an attitude about this. And God will tell you about things that silly, what to do. It's not, a, it's not worth it. I want you to count the cost in this thing. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit was saying to Jesus in the garden. Count the cost of this thing. You know Jesus could have shut that whole thing down. Because if he couldn't, then his sacrifice wasn't perfect for you and I. Perfect for you and I. His doubt is what all of mankind has done and battled with. What's humbling yourself? Casting every care. Right then was the ultimate act of casting the care of taking the whole world upon himself. So every time you think you've got a care, <laughs> be thinking about how he cast the care of all the cares of the world and everything that would ever happen to, to humankind. He delivered humankind, and he was thinking, God, there's got to be a different way. But he submitted. And so it's that suffering that you and I battle in the soul. Not the suffering of sickness and poverty. And, no, he's liberated us from that. The suffering is this. And notice what he said. He said, verse 9, Resist him steadfast in the face, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. Even though you may be an apple and your brother's an orange, it's the same stuff. Everybody's experiencing the same type things. Everybody say everybody. So we're all in the same boat in the same ship. So don't be looking at someone, hey, you're just in pride. No, 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 no. You, 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 you're in pride looking at someone else's life about pride. That's pride too. See, we've got to identify these things that really matter where pride is concerned. Not what we think about some athlete or some this person or whatever. No, we need to look at the day-to-day the -day things that want to keep us being resisted. God wants it free-flowing. You moving in and out, up and down, doing everything that he's told you to do. And he said this, But may the God of all grace, who called us <clears throat> to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have what? Suffered for what? A while. One translation says a little while. Everybody say a little while. After you've suffered for a little while, he will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. He will perfect you, mature you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. After what? After you've suffered for a little while. After you have been willing to address pride and learn what true humility is. The fastest way up is down. I'll say it like this. The fastest way up is under. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and you won't have to create an Ishmael. You won't have to make things happen. They'll happen because you're hearing his voice. There's no resistance 
You're, you're not in the resistance realm. I'm going to give you a picture next week of this resistance realm that I see that people find themselves in. And if we're outside of that resistance realm and we're flowing freely, then nothing can stop you. I'm telling you, nothing can stop you. You think better, you think correctly, but if all, your, all of your days and your time are spent on thinking about protecting yourself and protecting yourself from what other people do to you, and, and listen to me, you're breathing today, I promise you, everybody in here deals with pride. And everybody deals with the fear of people getting away with stuff, people this, people that, people trying to get an advantage on us, you know, people trying to take something from us, all those kind of things. Everybody deals with issues like that on a a day-to-day basis. And it's you and I submitting to the Word of God and overcoming that that's the key to us embracing our inheritance and not being robbed of what rightfully belongs to us. And I'm telling you, there's a lot that belongs to everybody sitting here today. Everybody in this place today, there's a lot that God has already done for you and and that He has brought to your life. And I'm telling you, the enemy is not robbing you of that. I declare today that pride has no authority over your life and that issues and areas of pride are coming down from this day forward. From this message on, pride is a thing of the past in your life. I say that by faith. The moment you submit to the will of God in a situation, pride goes. So those three words we're going to dissect over the next few weeks. Pride, humility, and submission. The moment you submit to the will of God in a situation, pride leaves. So my question I'm leaving you with is this. If there's anything that is nagging at you, anything that's stayed on in your life, something you've not been able to get over, I'm asking you this question. Could pride be what's stopping you from receiving what God has for you? Just a question. And my answer to you is more than likely. I mean, I'm just telling you, more than likely, it's pride in one form or another. But if we're good with that, and we're liberated and free to be set free of pride, and it's, it's not something that we're afraid of, it's not going to cause us to be weak, but it'll cause us to be strong, then why would we want to keep it in our life? I don't know about you, but I don't want it for another 10 minutes. Hmm? I'm here to receive my inheritance to be a blessing to mankind. Glory to God.